name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I have a date on my calendar for next month, and it's a meeting with the church's investment committee. A couple of people in the room are also a part of that meeting. Uh, That committee, the investment committee, is chaired by Gene Geeter, and it's filled with uh, really good, smart, sharp members of the parish. Um, It meets three or four times a year, and I sort of deliberately don't go to all of the meetings because I want that sort of run by folks who who know much more about it than I do. Um, But I like to go to one or two of the meetings a year when I can. It's like a reminder of, of college economics classes where you get a good overview of what's going on in the world and how it affects us, as well as monitoring how the church's investments are faring. But there's another reason why I like to go to those meetings, I guess I can admit. Um, I'm always careful to wear my full sort of priestly garb, you know, a, a freshly pressed black suit and a bright white collar. Because there's a part of me that enjoys walking in the fancy Park Avenue building where everybody is dedicated to to making money and making as much of it as they possibly can and watching their face when a priest walks by. I guess there's a part of me that kind of thinks, well, it might be a good thing for them to occasionally remember, okay, there's a, there's a world beyond the, the here and now and the, the bottom line. But even more, I've noticed over time, it's, it's good for me to be there and situations like that because it's important for me to remember the obvious thing that most of you live into every day, which is that only a small, small fraction of God's holy work happens in this space. The larger majority of God's work and wonder happens out there in the world, in those offices on Park Avenue, in classrooms and and factories and shops and everywhere the people of God move. Today's scriptures invite us to think a little bit about where we move in the world and how we move with God's presence and God's energy. These same scriptures, I think, invite us to think about the places where we might um, imagine barriers between the so-called spiritual and the worldly, uh, between the so-called religious and the secular, as though those things can ever be separated. In our first reading, we hear the prophet Amos thundering forth. Hear this, he says, you who trample on the needy, who cheat the poor and push around the defenseless. God will turn your feasts into mourning and your songs into lamentation. Amos is not uh, preaching to criticize formal or elaborate worship. Um, The point is that with all the resources at Israel's disposal, with all the wealth in their temple, in their homes, in their hands, they're at the end of the day showing themselves to be a stingy, selfish people. Amos points out the hypocrisy in Israel's worship of that day, in the problems in their ordering of their lives and their values and their culture. They'd forgotten the poor. 
They had forgotten when they themselves were foreigners and aliens. They had forgotten when they were not the majority. But through Amos, God reminds them that God remembers. God never forgets, and God will bring justice. God will hold God's people especially accountable. That first reading from Amos reminds us about some of what we should be doing as the people of God. But the gospel muddies things up a little bit by suggesting sometimes the means of our doing it, of our living out the gospel, of our working with God to bring about God's kingdom. Sometimes it may involve some strange relationships. This means that we're called to move ahead in a world of faithful people, followers of Jesus who take their faith into the marketplace and the boardroom and can help others navigate these spaces. It it means that God calls us always and everywhere to be as smart as we can be, to be as shrewd in the matters of the world and as resourceful as we can be, not for some future realm of God, but for the here and now. Today's gospel is a colorful one about a, a rich man who has a dishonest manager, And this manager is not only underperforming, but seems to either be skimming off the top or manipulating the funds in some other way. The accounts aren't adding up, and so the rich man gives the manager notice, but the manager gets busy. He knows his days are numbered, so he makes his plans, and his plans involve building up a kind of credit with others. And so he heard what he does. He goes around to all those who are indebted to the rich man, and he cuts the losses. He lowers each person's total. He collects what he can and tries to prepare for the future. He's a pragmatist. His quick thinking gets him back in favor with the boss. As with so many parables and other stories of Jesus, Jesus is telling a story. He doesn't mean for his disciples or us to identify overly or specifically with any one character in the story. Jesus is not for a minute suggesting that we all should be cheats. He's not suggesting that we deliberately get overextended and then pray that somebody will forgive us and we only have to pay half. He's not suggesting for a minute that the kingdom of God is achieved by dishonesty or duplicity. But there is the suggestion that the kingdom of God benefits from a shrewd mind and a willingness to make use of all the resources at one's disposal. The Christian faith is not furthered by feeble-mindedness or a kind of pious naivete that, that refuses to look at the present reality or the future and pray for God to take care of it all. Rather, in Jesus' words, the children of light, as he puts it, those who have faith, can learn a few things from the children of this age, as he calls them. That is to say that those who seek to follow Jesus can learn even from, and perhaps especially from, those who are secular or non-religious. This idea is echoed in Matthew when Jesus sends out his disciples to be as sheep in the midst of wolves, to be wise as serpent but innocent as doves. 
Today's readings suggest that we have a role to play in the ongoing life of God and the unfolding of God's kingdom. It matters what we do with what we have, whether we have just a tiny bit or whether we have a whole lot. Whatever we have can be used for God's goodwill. And what we have in terms of our energy, our minds, our faith, our compassion, our talent, our money, all of this... God needs for God's unfolding kingdom. Using what we have for God is really the central message of today's scripture. It's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, that even though the manager in the story is less than honest, maybe even a little shady, a little underhanded, the manager manager does everything he can to prepare for the future. He uses all of his resources creatively, How much more so should a person of faith? In just a few weeks, we'll be talking a lot and exploring together what it means to use all that we have. We use that old-fashioned churchy word, stewardship, uh, to pray and think about what it means that God has put us into this world with, with so many blessings and so many gifts We'll be encouraging one another to fill out a pledge form on paper that's not only for money, though we use pledges to create next year's operating budget, and so we do need your pledge of money, but a pledge form also has other spaces for folks to think and dream and pray about where God might be calling you to greater activity and involvement. Is it to volunteer with Holy Trinity Neighborhood Center, HTNC? Is it to help with our Sunday school that begins next week? Is it to lead a Bible study or a prayer group or or assist at the altar in some way or, or do research on the building or research on the neighborhood? Whoever you are, whatever gifts you have, God calls and consecrates you to serve God here and elsewhere as the kingdom of God unfolds in our midst. The prayer of the day, our collect of the day that we began our worship with, prays that even as we are surrounded by earthly things, that we would not be anxious about them, but hold on to what lasts, what endures, what helps others, what furthers community and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this season and every season, may we learn to use all that we have and all that we are for God. And may we never be afraid to be crafty for the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.